Josh Haston here, Israel Uncensored, on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. It is Sunday, the 22nd of January, 2023. And since it is evening here, as I am recording my Monday show here on a Sunday night, um, it is actually Rosh Chodesh, the first day of the Hebrew month of Shvat. In just two weeks from now, we will celebrate the holiday of Tu B'Shvat, the New Year for Trees. Uh, and it really, it certainly does feel like spring is in the air here in Israel. It may get colder yet again. Winter is not completely over. But once you start hitting the month of Shvat, talking about Tu B'Shvat, and seeing the trees begin to blossom, you know that spring is really right around the corner. Even though, unfortunately, it has not been that wet of a winter here. And that's why I'm hoping that technically, technically, while spring is around the corner on the Hebrew calendar, I'm hoping we do get more cold temperatures and rainy days ahead. Um, who would have thought we'd start the show off with weather this week? But again, that is, it's all part of Judaism. It's all part of life here in the land of Israel. Everything, every raindrop matters. It really does. That's really what it's all about to be here in the Jewish state of Israel. And we'll, we'll get to the news here. Um, and hopefully not too much news will break between now when I'm recording Sunday night and when this podcast comes out on Monday. But probably the top story over the last several days is uh, Arya Derry, uh, former, I'll say now former minister Arya Derry of the Shas party. Uh, on Sunday morning, this morning, Prime Minister Netanyahu complied with the Supreme Court ruling that Shas party leader M.K. Arya Derry was not allowed to be a minister. And uh, the prime minister fired Arya Derry this morning. He said, it is with a heavy heart, with great sorrow, and with an extremely difficult feeling, we are forced to transfer you from your position as a minister in the government. Currently, the coalition government is in a battle. And we've talked about this to curb the runaway powers grabbed by the Supreme Court over the years, which began under the leadership of then-Chief Justice Aaron Barak. The court's latest de decision, the firing of or demanding that Arya Derry be fired, only made their need to legislate the separation of powers clearer and more urgent to the coalition members. This report, by the way, from the Jewish press. So, whether or not you agree that Arya Derry should be a minister in the government, and I hear you. I hear those who say he shouldn't be a minister due to his criminal past <clears throat> and promises he made he would stay away from politics. I understand that. But this is without a doubt, in my mind, the court flexing its muscle, the court upset over the proposed judicial reforms. The bottom line, this is political, whether justified or not. And you can decide for yourself, this is a way to stick it to the current government, and that's exactly what the court did. And, of course, for the third week in a row, uh, and we, we will not call this show, what do we call it again, Sour Grapes Parts 1 and 2? I won't call the show Sour Grapes Part 3, because I guess this is going to be a weekly occurrence. Another 100,000 people gathered and demonstrated against the government in Tel Aviv last night, on Saturday night. And again, let's call a spade a spade. They're not protesting judicial reform, but they are protesting against the government. Uh, and of course, others joining in the protests, holding PLO flags. And I saw a sign there, I think I actually shared this on Facebook, a sign that said, freedom from Zionism. Somebody waving a PLO flag, 
with a sign that said freedom from Zionism. So that's really what this, these protests uh, are all about, not judicial reform. And, you know, people will say the sign that said freedom from Zionism, it's only one sign. It doesn't represent us, blah, blah, blah. But when one right winger does, does something at a protest, and I'm thinking about now the Jerusalem Day March this past year, when you had thousands and thousands of people marching peacefully in the streets of Jerusalem, and you had, let's say, 20 people, you know, 0.11111% or 0001%, 20 people shouting racist slogans. Everyone goes nuts in our country. People say our country is falling apart. We're a bunch of racists. Such, such hypocrisy here, okay? Because in this case, they can get away with a PLO flag. And nobody complains about that. However, that being said, I don't even hear the voices denying that those who are waving the PLO flags aren't part of them. So maybe the protesters, I can't tell you if it's a thousand or a hundred thousand, maybe the protesters support the stance that Zionism needs to go. I'd like to think it's not a hundred thousand, but you'll never know. You'll never know that reality. Because of this hypocrisy. On one hand, denying the PLO flag represents the protest. And on the other hand, those who aren't even denying that the PLO flag is not a part of them. Um, at the same time, by the way, I guarantee if you went to the protest and asked people there why they are against judicial reform, 90% of the people, I would guess, even more, would not be able to explain what they claim they're protesting against. It's not simple, folks. And I'm certainly not an attorney or a legal mind, and I've read article after article trying to understand the whole issue of legal reform. But that's really not, again, it's not what the protest is all about. The bottom line is they are protesting the right wing. They lost the election, and for the third week in a row... And, um, you know, everyone has the right to protest, but they are just sour grapes. I'm not going to call the show that, but these people are sour grapes and do not want to see a right-wing government in power. Bottom line, judicial reform is the excuse, not the reason. Go ask somebody. Call your friend. If you're listening to this podcast and you know somebody who was at that protest, and again, I'm not saying all 100,000 people are, you know, against Zionism, um, but ask them. Ask them, why are you protesting judicial reform? Have somebody explain it to you. I would guess eight or nine out of ten people could not explain the whole issue of judicial reform. That's just my opinion. Moving on, <clears throat> JNS reported that Israeli Arab terrorists Karim and Mayor Yunus, who were both released from jail this month, were rearrested on Saturday and questioned over online content they posted that reportedly includes incitement to violence. If you remember, these cousins, these evil people, this, these Eunice cousins, murdered Israel Defense Force Corporal Avram Bromberg in the Golan Heights in 1980. Both were sentenced to life in prison, but had their sentence commuted to 40 years by then-Israeli uh, President Shimon Peres in 2012. So Meher, that's how you pronounce it, Maher, Meher, terrorist, whatever you want to call him, was released from jail Thursday morning, two weeks after his cousin Karim 
received a hero's welcome in the northern village of Ara. By the way, let's remember, these are Israeli, Arabs, full citizenship, education, health care, and all the other benefits that goes with being a full-fledged Israeli citizen, which makes it even more disturbing. Um, but National Security Minister Itamar Ben-Gvir reportedly ordered their detainment, the cousins again, which lasted for several hours. Several hours. I don't know if they're still at the police station. and doesn't look like it. doesn't look like they're behind bars again. But prosecutors at least are discussing possible fresh charges against one of the cousins, Maher, Maher uh, based upon public statements he made after his release, according to Channel 12. And what did he say? He called for the unification of all Palestinians. So I don't use that word, but that's what it says here. Factions, because security prisoners are suffering. Together we may succeed. This is a difficult political period. We need to fight intelligently. We are a nation of heroes. We do not surrender. <clears throat> so here you have a guy serving for 40 years, and obviously nothing has changed with him. He is inciting to hate and violence. And yeah, the prosecutor should, we should take this case on and lock these guys back up. If they're inciting hatred, put them, put them back in for another 40 years, obviously until the end of their lives. Send them back to prison. Their sentences should never have been reduced. That was a mistake. I don't know why that happened in 2012. They murdered an IDF soldier. They should rot in a cell. Never see the light of day for the rest of their lives. So send them back to jail. Switching gears here. This is getting back into politics, okay? Uh, Janus, another Janus report here. Israeli ambassador to Canada, Ronan Hoffman, on Sunday announced he will step down from his post later this year due to ideological differences with the Prime Minister Netanyahu, Benjamin Netanyahu-led government. Hoffman served as a member of Knesset for opposition leader Yair Lapid's Yesha Tid Party between, between 2013 to 2015. So, why is this a story? You would think, well, he has freedom of speech, freedom of his opinions, and it's okay, he's going to resign because he doesn't believe in the positions of the government. However, Israel's civil service regulations, reported here by JNS, require that all diplomats refrain from publicly assuming political positions or making personal political statements of any kind. But not this guy, not this Ambassador Hoffman. He is taking a political position or political positions instead of serving his country to the best of his ability. That's what he's doing by quitting. You don't get a say. If you're an ambassador, you know, and you're sent to serve X amount of years, you don't get a say as to what happens politically. Yeah, of course you can vote, but you're there to serve the state of Israel regardless if the right is in power, the left is in power, you are representing Israel in that embassy or in that consulate. Not this guy. And ironically, if this were a right-winger quitting because he didn't like the policies of a new left-wing government, this would be front page all over the news. It would be the top story on the news on Channel 12 and Channel 13. And the, the hypocrisy is astounding. So somebody who isn't supposed to be political and do his job, serve his country, can't handle that. And instead, he's, he's making a statement. And I wouldn't be surprised if he would, you know, he's going to be speaking at one of these Tel Aviv rallies in the near future. That's my guess, is he will be a, a top guest invited to address the next crowd or a crowd in the near future because he stood up, not for democracy, not for democracy. He's not respecting democracy. 
He's not respecting the vote, the votes of the people of Israel in November. He's taking a political position, which is not what you're supposed to do when you are ambassador. You serve your country to the best of your ability, but he's going to be, he's going to be dubbed a hero if he hasn't already been. I don't know. I haven't been on Twitter really that much today. Um, let's turn to Harvard, Harvard university, right? Best university cream of the crop, Ivy league all the way, right? Top who wouldn't want their kid in Harvard. Well, I certainly wouldn't want, wouldn't send a kid of mine to Harvard. And this is exactly why the Harvard Kennedy school reversed itself on Thursday and decided to offer a fellowship to Kenneth Roth. Ken Roth, do you know who he is? Um, one of the biggest anti-Semite Jew haters, Israel-obsessed fanatics on the planet. So Roth was reportedly offered the fellowship, and then it was decided by their dean, Douglas uh, Elmendorf. He decided Ken Roth is not deserving of the position because he has an anti-Israel bias. And if you... And I think it was Elder of Zion, the famous uh, Twitter um, pro-Israel advocate, where I actually had the pleasure to meet. Don't even know his real name, Elder of Zion. He did a, uh, a little bit of a study on this Ken Roth and exposed how much attention Ken Roth gave and how many times he condemned Israel compared to all the other countries. And it's not even close. All the other countries in the world combined versus Israel he bashed Israel more times than uh, he was the you know while he was the head of human rights so-called human rights watch um, that phony phony human rights organization. So Harvard caved, decided to give this Israel and Jew hater his fellowship, and um, again Human Rights Watch, one of the biggest Israel hating organizations on the planet, obsessed with Israel. Go look at the stats, and this guy is just the worst. Okay, and Harvard should be ashamed of themselves. As my grandfather of blessed memory would say, educated fools or idiots with PhDs, that's what Harvard is all about right now. And U.S. Jews need to wake up and not send their kids to those schools. And I don't care how prestigious they are on paper. I say send them to Israel. Send them to a place like Bar Ilan University or Ariel University in Samaria not to any of these Ivy League, Jew-hating, Israel-hating schools who honor people like Ken Roth, who've dedicated their lives, their lives to hating on Israel. That's his life. I don't know what God forbid, what would he do if Israel wouldn't exist anymore? He would have nothing to do. Because that has been his obsession his entire career. Guys like Beinart and this guy, Ken Roth, and Harvard should be ashamed. And I would... I would, would be absolutely happy to advocate for those Harvard donors not to send their money to Harvard. Send it to somewhere else. Send it to Yeshiva University or send it to Bar Ilan or another university that gives you a sense of Jewish pride. Send it to Ariel University in Samaria if you want to donate to a, a university, a college that does, that's doing some good work here. And people go crazy. Ariel University is in Samaria. How many Israeli Arabs go study at Ariel University and get their degrees? You're talking about thousands. 
and the so-called left doesn't want Ariel University to exist. They went crazy. I remember when Ariel moved from a college status to university status. They went bonkers. Ask the Israeli Arabs who are getting their degrees how much they appreciate Ariel and Ariel University. That's where you should send your money if you had any any uh, doubt as to what to do. If you got extra change and want to support education, invest in Ariel. Invest in Bar Ilan. Don't invest in Harvard. Israel National News reported reported here today that a 14-year-old Arab boy from the Isawiya neighborhood of Jerusalem was arrested Saturday night, late Saturday night in the Old City after intending to carry out a stabbing attack. He was apprehended with a knife in his possession. The arrest was made after police officers from the area, um, together with a security guard in the Old City, noticed a boy who aroused their suspicion, and this kid had a knife on him. And people will, I'm sure, went crazy on Twitter saying, look at the Israeli occupation authorities arresting a 14-year-old. What do they want from these poor Arab kids? And they'll flip the narrative on its head. Whether you're 14 or 44 or 104, if you have a knife and your goal is to stab Jews, you should be in jail. No doubt about it. But they won't tell that part of the story. They'll just say Israel arrested this poor teenager, a young boy, a school-age kid. That's the way they will frame it. The anti-Israel haters, the BDS haters, that's how they'll frame this narrative, this story. They'll forget to mention the part about the knife and the fact that he intended to murder Jews in the old city of Jerusalem. At the same time, over Shabbat, uh, there was a stabbing attempt in the community of Ste'ephraim, the Ste'ephraim farm near the community of Neria in the Shomron. Uh, an Arab with a knife attacked uh, a Jew drove to the location, drove to the farm, got out of his car, tried to stab an Israeli who opened fire and killed the terrorist. And that is completely moral and just. The terrorist, thank God, uh, did not hurt, uh, was unsuccessful in hurting the Jew, according to an Israeli military spokesperson. So that's just another another day, another weekend here of Jews trying to observe the Sabbath and Arab terrorists trying to murder them, whether it's in Samaria or in Jerusalem. And thank God in both of these cases, they did not succeed. And um, we're going to finish off on uh, on a positive here. It's a little bit of a shorter show this week. I know. And Sunday night after Shabbat, there's a little bit less news on Sunday. Uh, you know, the news gets picks up steam usually by Monday when I do the recording of this podcast. But it is Sunday night. Um, we'll finish off with something positive. During a five-day humanitarian mission last week to Eloran, Nigeria, five specialists from Israel's Sheba Medical Center treated pediatric eye cancer patients and worked to increase the capacity for long-term optical care in southern Nigeria. This is Israel 21C, if I didn't say it before. An estimated 1 in 15,000 Nigerian children suffer eye cancer and the mission focused on treating children with this type of cancer called retinoblastoma, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, which can be deadly if not caught early. A team led by ocular oncologist Dr. Ido Didi Fabian also established an intra-arterial chemotherapy center to provide ongoing care for eye cancer patients in the region. This treatment delivers chemotherapy directly to the tumor 
through a catheter inserted into an artery, allowing for higher doses of chemotherapy while minimizing the exposure of healthy tissues to the drug. Israelis traveling to southern Nigeria. What do we have with Nigeria? What business does Israel have in Nigeria? Okay. How many countries are in the world? So many countries. Is Nigeria a superpower like the U.S.? Uh, is it like Great Britain? You know, take your pick. No, Israel sends doctors to Nigeria to help kids who have eye cancer. This is unbelievable. Unbelievable stuff. And we're not doing it for the PR. We're not doing it to get credit. Israel's doing it because Israel cares. And I will, I will say it from a PR perspective how amazing it is. I'll say it from a humanitarian perspective as well. But the fact that Israel does this, you would think that Israel would be, you know, for most of the world, and maybe are, we are still for most of the world, a light into the nations. I mean, that's what we truly are. But just so many haters out there who want to see this country gone, from Hamas to Islamic Jihad to Fatah to all of our uh, immediate neighbors here, just down the road from where I'm sitting in Gush Etzion, how many of them want us gone? They want a Jew-free, not only... Judea and Samaria, they want a Jew-free Israel. That is their ultimate goal. That is their end game, And that's why we have to be strong. We can't give up an inch of territory, an inch of land. Every inch that we give up becomes a hub of terrorism, a launching pad for rockets. See the 2005 expulsion in Gaza. See what happened after that. And here I am off on a tangent talking about that. Because of the fact that we are truly a light unto the nations, that is what the state of Israel is all about. Going to southern Nigeria and giving kids cancer treatment, my gosh, the amazing things. And we, I have these stories each and every week on this podcast because there are so many. We could talk, we could do a whole show just on what Israel's doing for the world at large. But, um, you know, we're here to talk about the news and focus on the news here in Israel. But so many things, uh, so many ways in which Israel's computing, uh, uh, contributing rather. There, I'm getting choked up just talking about it to the world. And that's going to do it for this week's show <clears throat> recording on the 22nd of January, 2023. For my Monday, January 23rd show, it is Rosh Chodesh Shvat. Wishing everyone a wonderful Rosh Chodesh. Rosh Chodesh Sameach from Gush Etzion, just south of Jerusalem. The eternal capital of the state of Israel and the Jewish people. Shout out to Tabitha Epstein for everything she does behind the scenes. Benjamin Bresky. Ben Bresky, my man. Engineer extraordinaire. Thank you so much. Everyone out there in the wonderful world of ours. Between now and please God when we speak again on the next podcast next week. Be safe. Shalom, shalom from Gush Etzion, Israel. Have a great week, everyone. <laughs>